It is my privilege to bring this Bible reading to you tonight. Um, It's a really quick one. Four verses. So dial up Titus chapter 2 and we'll start at verse 11. Because you won't have time once we start. It's really going to be quick. However, before we read, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for the privilege of coming together now, the privilege of reading your word, hearing you speak to us, and then responding. Lord, help us to have open ears so that we can understand. Help us to have open and soft hearts so that it changes us. And then, Lord, let it not just be an intellectual exercise. Lord, we pray that we will actually do something. So, Lord, just help us now as we read together. Uh, In Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. How are we doing? Good. Well, wow. Wow. I mean, this is Christmas Eve, people. That was, Maddie brought it. I don't know what you guys are doing, but um, are we excited? A little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Don't, don't fake it. I'm not, don't, don't fake it. I'm not saying that. Just, you know. No, it is exciting, right? It is Christmas Eve. Now, uh, kids, I've got something exciting for you guys uh, to get started. We weren't handing these out when you came in, but some people love to listen to me talk. Uh, some children, I'm told, get a little bored. So if you'd like to come and get an activity sheet and be brave enough to come and get that, there's coloured pencils here also. I'll even let you keep the coloured pencils. Uh, they're all yours. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but I am now. So you guys can come and grab these at any point. Yeah, go, go, no. Yeah, go, there's one person, yes. All right, go for it. Good, good. See, just one, need one. Just need one. Good job, Jess. Get in there. Good. Excellent. All right. Wait, does that mean that Jess gets bored when she's, I don't know. Now I'm worried. No. <laughs> All right. Good job, guys. All right. Yep, dive in. Don't be shy. All good. Uh, also, kids, now this is really for everyone, but the kids in particular can help me out uh, because we've established you guys can run now. Well, let's establish that you guys can be loud also. Uh, can you please finish this song for me? All right, let's see how we go. Ready? Uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. But, wow, there was like four. Okay, I know. I know. Well, let's try that again. I'll, I'll set you guys up, all right? He's making a list and checking it twice. There's like eight of you. Seriously, this is embarrassing now for you guys, all right? All right, yes. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. You might not always pay attention to this. You might not always notice it. 
But there is this thing that happens at Christmas time where we think about how we live, what we do with our lives in a variety of ways. Uh, children are thinking about this because some of the Christmas stories uh, that we tell them uh, at times there's presents on the line, so they're very concerned uh, about their behavior and all that sort of stuff. Now, I had a look. Um, oh, we've lost me in the back there. Come back. I, I had a look. I didn't think that I saw any children's names that I recognized on this side. Um, see if you can find it. I didn't see any on this side either, though, so you guys might be doing okay. Uh, and, and some of us get really into this, right? The naughty and nice list and that sort of thing. Some, some parents can wield it rather heavily, uh, and it feels like with Elf on a shelf, it's getting worse. Uh, just... You know, they're watching you. And what, what are you doing all the way through? And this passage in Scripture here is actually encouraging us to think about how we live. And I think it's a good thing for us to reflect on at Christmas time because we're, we're thinking just tonight about this idea of the blessed hope that Jesus is, which is a nice lead into the, the Hope Explored course that we're going to be doing at the start of next year. Uh, but this passage is really actually getting us to think about how we live at a specific time, and in what way we do that. So we're just going to spend a little bit of time this evening uh, reflecting on this. This is actually one big long sentence in Greek. We split it up into two in English, one short one, and then very one uh, long one. So we're going to go through it a little bit slowly to make sure we don't miss what's happening here. But let's spend a little bit of time uh, as we look forward to celebrating this Christmas season, thinking about what the Scriptures say to us about how we are to live. Uh, so this is from a lettuce, uh, a letter written by Paul uh, to Titus. See, letter, Titus, that's what I did there. Uh, Paul writing to Titus. And Titus was a younger guy that Paul had been training up to do all sorts of ministry and, and gospel work. And a little earlier in the letter that we're not going to look at, a section we're not going to look at too much, uh, Paul tells Titus what he's concerned about. He says these are these guys that claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Paul's really down on these guys. All right? he, he thinks that uh, they are deceivers, that they put on a face, they put on a show that suggests that they know God. They claim to know these things, but when you look a little bit deeper and actually look at how they're living and not just the face that they're putting on, you see that something's not quite right. And so Paul, uh, and again, this section we're not going to go through with any detail, he sort of talks to older men, to older women, younger women, younger men, even slaves in that Roman situation back there in ancient times, and he talks to them about how they should be living. You can go and look that up for yourselves if you'd like to. But the part that I want to focus on is this bit that comes next from our reading, because what he says here is essentially the reason why you should live differently. Right, so let's work through it slowly so you can see what I mean. At the start of the passage, it says, for the grace of God has appeared. And that for is, is looking backwards to what's just come. So all that stuff about teaching older men, older women, younger women, younger men, slaves, all that sort of stuff. I want you to do all of those things, okay, because for the grace of God has appeared. You should be living differently, all you different people in different seasons of life, because... The grace of God has appeared, which begs the question, what, what is this grace of God that he's talking about? Now, grace is a word that uh, if you know something about Christianity, you might think that grace is just something that you say before dinner. Uh, but grace is a little bit more than that. Grace means unmerited favor. It's something that you're given that you don't deserve. 
And so when we think about the grace of God, well, more broadly, we could just sort of say it's unmerited favor from God. It's God giving us something that we don't deserve. But because of that little word appeared there, Paul's actually talking about something quite specific. He's not just talking about the general grace of God. He's talking about the grace of God that has appeared. And it turns out when you sort of go back and you look at this, you know, this letter was originally written in Greek, and when you look at what that word is used for in, in ancient Greek contexts, it's almost always used to talk about a ruler of some sort appearing. The emperor, the king, something like that. And so when we talk about the grace of God appearing, that verb suggests that this is a, a person that we're actually talking about. Specifically, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Salvation, of course, being something like deliverance, preservation, healing. Salvation is when we're at risk of something. Salvation is when we are in danger and we are delivered from it. Salvation is when we are in some sort of suffering or pain and we receive healing instead. Now, it's Christmas, and this is a church, so there's no big mystery here in terms of what the grace of God is. It's, it's Jesus. But what we need to understand is, is that when he's talking about the grace of God appearing here, he's not just talking about the person of Jesus. He's talking about everything that Jesus has done in his appearing. It's the total package. It's everything from what we looked at last week when we talked about the, the incarnation, what it meant for, for God, who created the very universe, to take on the form of a human child. It's his death upon the cross to pay the price for our sins. And it's his resurrection from the dead that shows that he has triumphed over the grave. It's the fullness of his appearance. It's everything that this grace of God has done that Paul is pointing to when he talks about the grace of God. And he says, it, the grace of God, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And this is the key thing again. When we're talking about teaching here, Jesus had lots of good teaching. There's lots of things that Jesus teaches us. There's lots of things that Jesus teaches us about how to live. But the thing is, again, it's more talking about the fullness of what Jesus did, not just Jesus' teachings himself. Because the thing is, is that the way that Jesus lived his life, the things that he did, is actually a message in itself. It's the things that he did when he appeared that Paul is saying should actually transform and change the way that we live. That in his incarnation, in his death on the cross, in his crucifixion, and in his resurrection, there's something in this that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. There, there's something about the incarnation that sin was serious enough that God came from heaven and took on the form of a human being like us and humbled himself and lowered himself to come down from his throne there to walk amongst us, to live amongst us, to deal with this problem of sin, to, to deal with the problem created by this ungodliness and these worldly passions. His death on the cross shows us how serious a situation that we were in, that the Son of God himself had to die, had to bleed in order to deal with the problem of sin. 
And there's something in this story that should help us to recognize that if this is what God was willing to do in order to deal with sin, then, then maybe ungodliness and worldly passions, those things that aren't of God, those, those desires and things that I'm willing to suffer for that aren't from God, maybe I need to rethink my relationship to those things. And again, he goes on to say to not just turn away from ungodliness and worldly passions, but rather to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That now that Jesus has triumphed over death, now that he's conquered the grave, now that he's not only paid the price for sin, but shown us that it's possible for us to live in a new way, then maybe we should think long and hard about what it is that we're doing with our lives. That if sin was serious enough that Jesus needed to die to pay the price for it, and that he rose from the dead in order to show us that new life is possible, that, that maybe I need to actually examine and thinking about how I'm living. But then he adds this interesting little phrase, in this present age. So Paul's saying you should change the way that you live because the grace of God has appeared and it's teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and that we should live upright and self-controlled and godly lives in this present age. And so let's look at a timeline here to help us out see what he means here. We've got you know, in the Bible, we've got the, the ancient story of God's people in the Old Testament. The stories of Israel, if you're familiar with Bible stories at all, that sort of stuff, that's where we get stories about the creation of the world and Abraham and Moses and Isaac and Jacob and, and all these guys and Joseph and, and David, all those good stories. You know, that, that stuff all comes from the Old Testament. But when Christ came, a new age started. The, the New Testament, a new relationship between God and his people began through what Christ had done. And so all of us now live in this present age, in this New Testament period. It's the time after Christ has come. This is the, the present age that we're living in. And there's a sense here in which we're to think about how we live and to transform what we do with our lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. There's a sense here that we're in the in-between. That now that Jesus has come, and revealed himself to us and entered this world and become a man and died upon the cross and risen from the dead, that now we're to live transformed lives in this in-between time while we wait for this blessed hope, which is the appearing, same word as earlier, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he's appeared once to usher in this present age, and now we need to live transformed lives while we wait for him to return to appear again, and this time with the glory of God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, the last appearing, he was the humble carpenter from Nazareth, but this next appearing is going to look a little different. This next appearing, he's going to be seated on the throne. He's coming down from heaven, and basically, it's end of the world stuff that this present age is going to come to an end, that, that the glory of God is going to be fully revealed and we're going to see that Jesus Christ is indeed the great God and Savior of all. And so, again, with the timeline, Paul wants us in this present age to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives while we wait for the blessed hope. And then says, last sentence, who gave himself for us to redeem us 
from a wickedness and to purify for himself a people. That word redeem there, it, it, we don't use it that often these days, but essentially we, we, you know, I'm familiar with the idea of we redeem a gift card. Like if I give money to Maya or something like that and I, and I buy a gift card, they're holding $50 worth of value until somebody else comes along to release that and they have to give them the stuff and all that sort of thing. There's a sense here in which we've all been held in check by our ungodliness. We've all been imprisoned to a certain extent by our sinfulness, by the worldly passions, by the wrong ways that we have lived. But now that Christ has come, it's actually possible for us to be set free from these things. We don't have to live in ungodliness and wickedness anymore. That we can be set free from all wickedness, from all wrongdoing. And that Jesus has done this in order to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now, this is in so many ways the, the, the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus Christ has come into the world in order to change and transform lives, not just getting us to do good, not just trying to make us uh, good doers, although he does want that, but also in order to give to us this, this eternal life because this present age is going to come to an end and he wants us to be with him into eternity. And the reason I share the gospel with you uh, like this tonight in many ways is because I know it's Christmas um, and if I can be cheeky enough to just call it out, I know that some of you, this is the only time you'll come to church this year. That this might be the only chance that you actually have to hear the gospel message this year. And so I want to just put it before you really, really clearly. Maybe you're here with family and friends. Maybe you're here uh, because you're, you're visiting from out of town and normally you, you wouldn't you know, darken the door of the church anymore and that sort of stuff. But in the midst of all the good stuff that we have fun with, with family and food and all the rest of it, it's just really, really good for us to stop and remember again that Jesus Christ coming to this world was not so that we could have a great family holiday that it wasn't so we could all get together and have food. It wasn't so that we could spend a couple of weeks uh, madly searching the stores, trying to find thoughtful gifts for one another and then just wishing we'd given each other cash anyway. He, he came so that we might be transformed. And this is an open invitation to, to all of us. For, for those of us who have already come to believe this message, it's an encouragement for us to keep going. As we think about the blessed hope that Christ is for us, that as we live in this present age, as we've believed in this message, as we've heard the truth of the gospel, as we understood everything that he's done for us, there's an encouragement that while the rest of the world starts to think about how they live for this couple of weeks and starts to think about naughty and nice lists and what their plans for the future are and reflect back on the year that's gone and think about plans to come, Paul's exhortation for all of us from this passage would be just keep going strong and living godly, upright, self-controlled lives for the glory of God in all that you do. But for those of us that might be here visiting this evening who don't normally get into this stuff, this is an opportunity for us to reflect on the truth of it. That as we think about going into next year and we've got our Hope Explored course and a chance for people to come along and learn more about it. There's a chance for us to invite people along to it. It's a chance for us to see this living hope for what it really is. It's the offer of eternal life. It can sound hokey, right, to say it like that, that this is actually the invitation to come and receive eternal life. It, it, it seems like just so far away from our ordinary way of living. 
But this is what the scriptures say. This, this is what the Bible teaches us that is the reason that Jesus came. So that we might be transformed to live new lives in this present age so that when Jesus comes back in his glory, we'll be part of his people who he wants to purify and have doing good forevermore. So, may you have a merry, merry Christmas. May you celebrate well with your family and friends, but may in the midst of all of the mirth and enjoyment that we have together, plus all of you dysfunctional folks that are going to get in fights tomorrow, um, let's not lose sight of the hope that we have that for all of us dysfunctional people, there is a hope given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and the way that we can live now with eternity in the future. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us. Thank you, Lord, that he came into this world and that he took on human form. Thank you that he became one of us in order that he might pay the price for our sins, that he might bleed on the cross in order that all that our wrongdoing would cease. The Lord, that there would come a time when he is going to appear to us again and will be purified completely will be redeemed from sin in its entirety. That we'll see you in all of your glory. And Lord, we just pray, Father, that now, as we celebrate Christmas, as we sing, as we enjoy one another, that we keep our eyes firmly fixed on the one who makes all of this possible. And we pray, Father, for for those here visiting who may not yet know you, the Lord, they take seriously the message that's proclaimed through your life, that you love us and that you care for us and you want to set us free from wickedness that we might do good for you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.